0: Welcome to the CoinGam Podcast. I'm your host, Fritz Charles. On this podcast, we attack the crypto asset and blockchain space from all angles, from the underlying technology to the economic impact. Every single episode, we try to look at the blockchain space from a new lens, and this episode was no different. But before we start this episode, I wanted to share a bit about our advisory services, We've built a huge network of blockchain professionals who can help you out with your projects. Whether you want to launch an ICO or you're just looking to do some deeper research, we can put you in the right place. We have advisors, blockchain developers, and legal professionals. If you need help, just visit us at coingamma.com. Now, let's start the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Coin Gamma Podcast. Today, we have an illustrious guest, Topper Bowers, on the podcast today. Topper is an entrepreneur and engineer with over twenty years experience building financial software that people want. He combines a deep technical knowledge with proven executive skills. He continuously produces tech that betters people's lives, whether he's designing user interfaces, managing world-class teams. Or building high volume distributed systems for large nonprofits and Fortune 50 companies. He's a former Y Combinator founder, the summer 2012 class, with deep knowledge of distributed systems and distributed ledger technology. We're here to talk about his latest project, which is Quorum Control. But first off, Topper, thank you for appearing on the podcast, and please fill us in with more detail with your background.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's um, it's great to be on here. Um, I well, actually, one minor, minor correction for what you just said um, is that my background is not necessarily from financial software, but um, you know, from a variety of actual uh, industries. Um, okay. I've worked in actually everything from from advertising um, to a social tech company, which was a political tech um, and video processing. So I've been in kind of a variety of industries um, in the in the tech world, um, all of them revolving around um, you know, distributed systems um, and kind of, uh, you know, having inter- software that interacts with people. I guess. Awesome. And so just yeah. not not to not to to sidetrack us for too long. Given
0: the political environment now, um, when were you, when were you working on that political platform or that software?
1: So that was the company that we went through by Combinator with, and that was in 2012. Okay. So and that was,
0: that, um, was, that was in the U.S., so that was um, the end of the first term of Ob- the first Obama term
1: exactly and okay. we were uh we were involved in uh in that second election there um okay. work, working for i'll say the good guys hopefully that doesn't alienate too many people on this podcast
0: yeah yeah we're we're, <laughs> we're a bipartisan podcast but you know we also um yeah you know we we, we we're okay with uh, people have opinions and um you know i think uh, people my some of my biases have kind of uh slipped in a little bit but you know that's natural awesome all right well, well i guess back back to your background um Pre quorum control?
1: Yeah, and um, so, you know, I've worked in a variety of these industries, um, and, uh, you know, I've I've met a lot of great people along the way, um, you know, both friends and just really great colleagues. Um, And um, I've been in engineering leadership in my last couple of jobs. um, And uh, with the, I had actually started to found an information security company. Um, and most recently. And, uh, so I wanted to get back into the entrepreneurship role, um, and then, uh, discovered that we had a much bigger idea with Tupelo and Forum Control, um, and decided to move into that, um, and was able to get a lot of those great people that I used to work with to, to join me on this, this adventure. You
0: no, know, it's incredible. It's incredible. So I yeah. guess, you know, what, you know obviously a lot of people um there's encryption that's part of uh security right so is that kind of what brought you into uh crypto is it the more encryption part of it is it the distributed ledger because i know you've you worked on a lot of distributed systems like what where did you, when did you discover crypto how did you decide to kind of have your company focus on this space this blockchain space
1: yeah so i would say it's kind of all of it um and you know honestly i came as a, a blockchain skeptic <laughs> Um, and then I was, I was slowly convinced over time. Um, in fact, actually, um, the company that I was mentioning before, the political tech company, we were in Y Combinator in, uh, summer of 2012, which is also when Coinbase was there. Um, and you know, they they were doing things like, Hey, if you, if you join, you get a free Bitcoin. Um, and of course I thought, why, who would want this magical internet money? (laughs) Right,
0: right, right. Um, and lo and and behold, look at Coinbase now.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah we could all dream to be, to be them at this point. <laughs>
0: right, right. Hey, you know, that, that'll be a quorum control in the future.
1: Yeah, well, I think so. Um, but, uh, so I, I, like I mentioned, I, I switched, um, there's a couple of things that had always bothered me in my career as a, um, a software developer, which was deploying software is too hard and security is too hard. Um, so I, I Um, left where I was working and I started this information security company. I was bootstrapping that company. Um, And this was, um, you know, this is 2016. Um, Cryptocurrencies hadn't reached their peak hype, but they were, you know, there was a lot of interesting things going on. Um, And um, I wanted to build a system which interacted with real world stuff. So like, I mean, digital things like identity and servers Um, But what I wanted to do was use public systems to anchor trust so to take the trust that was inside of a company and put it onto a public system Um, and What I realized at that time was that it was impossible Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I spent a lot of time trying to work with Ethereum, with Bitcoin. Um, I tried a lot of other of the fancier high-speed chains um, and I realized that for real-world projects, so not the um, not the exchanges and uh, not just pure FinTech that nothing was actually um, going to work for a real business. Um, there was a bunch of things that at, came into that. So that was um, both the speed and the cost and the cost of transactions and also the variable cost of transactions, you know, five cents, $40 um, oh. are like real swings on Ethereum. Right. Of course. Um, And, um, and so I, I, at that company, I, I gave up on trying to use the public systems and I took, tech from um, from blockchain and put it into our systems. So I was working with Merkle Trees, I was working with like linked lists, blockchains, um, and, um, and was happy with that product, but I kept thinking about how can, you know, there's this amazing promise that comes with blockchain and so far it hasn't been fully delivered and I think anyone would agree with that. Um, yep. And um, what I realized in sort of the end of two thousand sixteen, uh, 2016, so the beginning of two thousand seventeen. Um, sorry, I got that wrong. And the end of two thousand seventeen, beginning of two thousand eighteen, was that um, uh, if you think if you changed how you think about these systems um, and changed how the underlying system worked, you could actually build a system that was great for real world projects. Um, so what we did um, was change. So rather than Modeling. Well, actually, I guess I'm. You're asking how I got into it, and I'm about to get into the details. So let me no, step back to that a no, sec. No problem. Okay? So we realized that. Um, uh, I realized that this was a much bigger idea than the, the information security company was. Yes. I went back to talk to the team. Uh, well, first I tried to disprove myself for a while because I was like, "There's so many smart people working on this project, um, and, oh, and this, these kind of systems." Um, and then in uh, February, my wife and I had our son, Lyle. Uh, congratulations. Um, thank you. Um, so I took a month off of actually doing anything and just read white paper after white paper wow. to him, actually. So I gave him a little crash course oh, in, uh, awesome. in distributed <laughs> laser tech. <laughs> oh, that was
0: something. You really
1: wanted him to sleep, huh? So you just read Yeah, it. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, let me read this 50-page white paper to you. <laughs> that's
0: awesome. That's awesome. That's that's actually uh, pretty cool. I, I hear a lot of people, um, you know, I'm not a father yet, but... I hear a lot of people say that you know the or maternity and paternity leave is is when they kind of have a lot of eureka moments because it's a time to reflect, it's a time to think about the future, um and, 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 and it sounds so it's pretty cool that that was the time that you transition.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I can I can see why that happens because you you have a lot of time where you're you know holding the baby and <laughs> just thinking about things out loud while you're trying to be quiet, right <laughs> or not but um yeah, um, great. And then in March we put together the team okay. um, uh, and and uh, and in May we went out looking for funding and all of that um, got closed by August so it was oh. kind of a whirl a whirlwind uh, little experience there um, so
0: congratulations I mean obviously yeah, it was a lot easier to raise on you know distributed ledger related projects last year <laughs> versus this year but um you it's awesome that you were still able to make it happen um but okay that's that's great so um, can you explain like Tupelo and Quorum Control? Is that like a sub-brand? What What is the exact um how, you know which is it a sub company? How, how does how do the two brands or names interact with each other?
1: Right. So Quorum Control is a for-profit entity um, okay. here in you know registered here in Berlin. Um, that's what the investors have put their money into and we did an equity round, not a, not a token pre-sale. Okay. Um, Was it an equity token, like a security token
0: or just a normal you know, venture capital? Uh, a norm,
1: know, a normal, normal equity venture capital. What we wanted to do is, our whole theory is that there's a lot of hype in the blockchain space and um, our, our thesis is that there's going to be a lot of Um, More savvy investors entering this market um, over time and that they're gonna not want to invest in something that's purely built on hype Um, And so what we wanted to do was make sure that we had all of our fundamentals totally figured out for the token before we went and tried to have investors put their money into it. We didn't feel comfortable going and saying like, hey, there's going to be this magical token in the future. We want to, we want to be able to go and say like, here's why this token is valuable. Here's how it operates in the system. And those are details that um, you know take some time and uh, trial and error to get just right. Um, and so what we did is with pure equity um, investment now, we'll take that time and money and get great people to really figure out the last details of that token sale. And then we're going to have a token sale in about 12 months.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And what, and what would the be, what's the purpose of the token and what's the purpose of the token sale? Versus right. Maybe so the, that, yeah, go ahead.
1: Sorry. No, go ahead. And what were you going to ask? No, maybe? I said,
0: uh, well, the first question is what's the purpose of the token? What will it do in your platform? And secondly, um, how did you decide on a token sale versus, you know, maybe an airdrop or some other kind of distribution?
1: Yep. and uh, Well, Airdrop's not off the table, and there'll probably be some combination there, too. Okay. Um, but uh, the, we are a infrastructure-level project or protocol-editor project. I know those words get really confused, but um, we have our own consensus layer, is how okay. I, how I would use those words. Sure. Um, and so you need a native token to incentivize um, signers to um, act correctly okay. um, and also used for transaction fees, though we hope those will be very small. Um, and um, And then also the system that we're building Tupelo um, Which I guess I never fully finished the the answer to the last question Tupelo is um, is the open-sourced community run project Um, Quorum control is building it now, but we will be releasing it and it will be a fully decentralized system Um, and so for Tupelo Um, there will also be, um, objects on Tupelo and that's kind of the point of Tupelo is that there will be, you know, your house, your car, your crypto kitty, whatever it is. Um, and the token will also be a means of exchange uh, for those objects.
0: Okay. Let's, let's dig into one of those examples. I mean, well, let's dig into those examples, right? So, um, when I hear about, uh, some kind of thing like a crypto kitty, um, so it's kind of like a digital scarce product. Um, so would it work? Would it work just like CryptoKitties, but instead of being built on something that's ERC20 backed, it would be um, backed on your platform? Would
1: it work exactly the same, but just more efficient? Um, it is, uh, I would say, similar, I guess. Okay. Um, so we have a new data structure that we're introducing called a chain tree, um, and what that is is a I won't get too technical about this, but it's a way to have an object, um, each individual object is a chain tree. Okay. And this chain tree has uh, arbitrary data in it. Um, and so you can, you can put, um, and, and sorry, and it has ownership. So it okay. has who, who owns it now, who used to own it, the history of the object and information that can be arbitrary and put into that object. Um, it's immutable. Um, it's you know all the all the good stuff that it can't be copied. It's only owned by one person, okay. like all the all that kind of thing that you hear for nfts. Um, what's a little different is that um, because of this data structure and the way Tupelo works for its consensus is um, is that you can have, um, arbitrary data in this in these objects, which means that like your CryptoKitties can have all of its stats, its artwork, or whatever, or your house could have its closing documents, um, or, you know, the, or your supply chain could have the temperature of the uh, of the objects as they cross the ocean. Does that, does that make sense? It do, it does it does. So I yes. guess
0: the well, I guess one thing I want to dig into is like the I get the CryptoKitty um, case the NFTs for people that for our listeners that don't know what NFT is, it's a non fungible token. Um, that's what that stands for. But, um, when I hear about the house, um, platform, I have, when I hear about blockchain use for real estate, there are two examples that are always given. So one is, you know, m- you know, municipalities have all the house records. So, or so when you have to buy a house, you have to go pay a title company. You have to go through the municipality and you have to figure out who owns the house, make sure there's no liens and all that good stuff. And therefore you can put housing records on the blockchain. Then uh, the second implementation for real estate and the blockchain I've here heard about is that you could securitize a property. So you know uh, you have a let's say you have a condo building with five units. Five, you know the ownership of those five units could be put on the blockchain, and then that could be traded. Or that could be also the the, the house or the asset could be split infinitely. So somebody could own you know zero zero point zero one percent of a um, of a building or what have you. But what you're talking about is a little bit different, correct?
1: I think I'm talking about all of that, actually, Okay. (laughs) um, in pieces. And so I think – and I think actually our platform offers another interesting area, which is just pure digitization of the process. Um, And that's actually – Maybe it gets down into a little bit of the core philosophy that we have to um, I would say we are not blockchain maximalists Okay, um, there are a lot of people that will say real-world projects can never work on blockchain because there's they, not they are not digital bearer asset um, instruments right. um, But we take a kind of an opposite approach of that where it's like, you know when you're selling your house and you want to and having a central system where people can um have documents that are verified and signed and cryptographically, you know, ensure that they haven't changed. And having a, you know, I don't know if you've ever bought a house, but you have all these documents that you need to keep in your attic. Yes. Having a digital digital locker for these things is an important thing. And that doesn't, you know, there, some of this stuff is like, well, couldn't that work with a database? And the answer is maybe, but who's gonna who's gonna run that database? <laughs> um, and I think so. For us, the real estate use cases are, are interesting. So, yes, you could, I think it, was, it was, would work great for people to have their property records and for municipalities to put their property records onto the system. Um, I think it would also just aid in um, making the real estate transactions more digital as a, as a first step. Um, it could even be, you know, still have to go back to the title registries and stuff. But for now, you have this digital record that can in the future maybe move forward to a fully um, Tupelo based system. Um, And then also um, having a history of your house, um, when did you do the roof repair? um, Mm -hmm. What were the electric bills, all that kind of stuff that you can present to the next owner of a house is also um, a very interesting place for both individual owners to make their house more valuable to the next sale, but then also for um something like a real estate trust which manages just a bunch of properties they can use it both internally to manage the records but then also to present to their investors and again when they go to sell the building or whatever they have this immutable history of the property that makes it more valuable
0: great great yeah um, I, when i think about when i hear you say that um i'm in the process of of um getting trying to sell my car a used car yeah. and so yeah that would be awesome if i was able to kind of hand over um, all the oil changes that I got and all the uh, you know new tires and all that good stuff um, to show that I actually was a good steward of, of, of this asset um, to make it more valuable. Um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. So I guess, with, you know, Tupelo, what is it built on, given that it seems like it's built on, you, you know, your own unique um, view of, of DLT?
1: Yeah. You know, so we, um, Obviously, the general rule is don't roll your own crypto and don't roll your own consensus algorithm. (laughs) Um, That being said, you know, we we really tried hard to not um, to not do that. Um, But nothing. Basically, because of the history started from Bitcoin, um, everything models tokens as this underlying um, as the base layer and then puts smart contract on top and then the smart contracts can be something like an um, you know erc 721 which is the nfts that makes the consensus algorithm much more complicated um and the problem set that we are solving is actually simpler um and so and the consensus algorithm can be much simpler as well um i don't know what your audience or how technical i should be about that but the the general idea is that in a normal blockchain because you're modeling tokens you need to have this total ordering of events. So like if Alice pays Bob and then Bob pays Carol, you need to make sure that Alice's transaction happens before Bob's. Of course. Um, and so that's actually a hard, very hard computer science problem. Um, and in our system, each of these objects are very individual. Um, and um, I don't know if you're familiar with like Ethereum sharding and those things, but no, you can kind t- yeah, so you can kind of think of our system as taking sharding to the ultimate extreme where every single object is its own chain, um, and that allow- allows for a faster, more efficient, simpler consensus. Um, and so, we based our consensus off of a bunch of different projects. It's not we didn't just make it up, right. um, uh, but it but it is a a unique system to uh, to Tupelo.
0: Well, I mean, the for what I understand, the reason why things have to be consecutive um, and, and kind of the uh, traditional implementation of blockchain or, or DLT is to prevent things like uh, double counting or what have you to make sure that people have to actually have um, the crypto that they say they do or whatever token the project is correlated to. So exactly. how, do you, how do you, I mean, given that it sounds like everything's kind of done on as independent um, on, on the side and then put into the, uh, the main chain, how do you make sure that people are not, you know, How do you make sure people actually have what they say they have? Yep.
1: So um, the chain tree structure that I um, mentioned earlier is the combination of a blockchain and a current state for every single object in the world. So like your house, your car, your Crypto Kitty, each one of those is a chain tree. Okay. Um, That chain tree, um, the chain part of it is the whole history, the blockchain of that object. Okay. Um, And then the Tupelo main system has what we're calling a notary group, um, and those are that's made up of its proof of stake system with signers. And what's kind of cool about our system is that there doesn't need to be a main chain. Um, and in fact, the signers can keep just the current state of each chain tree as a single hash. Okay. Now when, it, when a chain tree wants to go make a change, it plays a transaction against itself and it sends that to the signers and it can pass back in any relevant history or state that the signer needs to be able to confirm that transaction. Uh, because the signer has that hash so it can the the client can say okay Here's the state that you need to be able to sign this this transaction um, And the signer can verify that that's hasn't changed because of the hash that it's kept in the past Got it. Um, And so each individual object needs to be sequential, right? So like they can't be um, you can't um, Have different versions of the chain tree um, but the whole system doesn't need to order the transactions on you know you know if chain tree a changes and chain tree b changes those can happen in any order
0: got it got it now is is there a mining process within your your structure
1: how, how there is not validated? It's a proof of stake system. Okay. Um, and so the, the signers stake um, and we have an incentive system to make sure that they um, act correctly. and the incentive system is actually based extremely heavily on Ethereum's Casper's um, Casper FFG.
0: Got it, got it, got it. okay so so it seems like um, due to the the, the, stru- the structure allows for quicker transactions. And, and more efficient transaction. Is that the only reason why it's better than uh, ERC-20? Are there any other differences that make it better?
1: Yeah. So the chain tree itself, because of that tree structure, can have um, a large amount of arbitrary data. Um, okay. And so you can put things like you said, you mentioned you're selling your car. So what you could do is you could actually have a real world contract in there that when you then change ownership of that, of that chain tree from you to the new owner, that could actually be a valid real-world contract. Um, now, I mean, that's just one example of why having large amounts of data available is good. Um, and the other thing is that we we realized that when people were building these systems, the 90% case of smart contracts for real-world projects were the same thing. It was like, here's this object, here's who owns it now, and here's some arbitrary data about the project now. Um, and then, generally, that would be linked out um, from Ethereum because of the cost of Ethereum. Um, But what in our system, because the base system is built for those actions, um, it feels a lot more like using an API because you don't have to deploy a smart contract. Um, You just interact with these, you know, set data, set ownership, you know, uh, send coin, receive coin. And all of that just feels like an API to the developer rather than deploying a smart contract, um, which has a whole host of base security and and conflict. You know, it makes your product a lot more complex as well. Um, and then also because the signers are not keeping uh, the whole history on a on a single main chain, um, it allows a lot more flexibility in the privacy of your object. So you can you can keep some things private from the signers and only share them with um, certain groups, um, and or you can make the whole thing public. Um, so that it gives more flexibility in terms of using a public system for um, people that would normally or or by default, have to go to a private chain.
0: Got it. Got it. Okay, that's pretty cool. So, given that you see uh, to the point of of being similar to API, is that kind of your business model? Do you expect? Are you targeting engineers and having them, uh, you know, potentially pay per per usage, maybe based on hits or based on some kind of subscription SaaS model to access this? How, how would that work?
1: Yeah. So when I say it's like an API, it. Feels like using an API you're okay. actually using a decentralized system um, right. and you can and you're talking to the the global network there um, there will be uh, transaction fees although they should be very low because the the work that a signer has to do is way lower than something else, like a miner in Ethereum or even like a, a Casper um, you know finality node uh, has to do it's a lot simpler for us um, so transaction fees should be low but there will be some um, and Quorum Control, the company, um, our business model is to build products and services around that ecosystem um, once once the global um, community is running. So right now we're just focused on building, um, getting people onto to Tupelo. Um, that'll be through a combination of strategic partnerships where, okay. you know, we're talking to a lot of large, auto, from large automotives to smaller identity people. Uh, you're, um, in a, and, you're in
0: the right country for that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> and uh, you, know, you get the good ones too here. <laughs> That's great um it was
0: like pivot i mean i've been just just kind of a a personal anecdote i've seen a lot of uh, american tech folks kind of move to berlin um it seems like the tech scene over there is is booming um you know can you kind of go into how you transitioned from being in the u.s space and 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 being american moving to um germany and berlin in particular and and kind of the scene out there and, and the benefits of uh building your company there
1: yeah absolutely um and it's, it's it's really interesting like Berlin. I will say it seems like really feels like the capital of um, The DLT space right now. It's wow. um, there's so much going on here And you know, we have a fully distributed team at Quorum control So we have founders in LA and New York, um, you know, we we visit London a lot okay. all of those cities have a kind of um, They have a scene too, but Berlin just feels a lot different um, and I'll come back to that in a second but for uh, for me to move here um you know, my, my wife Anna was was working here um, for a company, and uh, we're from New York. Okay. And I came here to visit her for a couple of weeks. Um, and I looked around the tech scene, and I just thought this is a really cool place. Um, and there's a lot happening here. It feels actually like the tech scene in New York did, um, you, know, you know, ten years ago or something like that. Um, And so for bootstrapping that InfoSec company, I thought, okay, this is going to be a a cool place. And we were ready for a change from New York, and it just seemed great personally for us. But when, you know, lucky for me when I came here to start to see the – what was happening in the DLT space here, which just feels very different. So Berlin has always had this um, hippie, hacker, like anarchist feel to it um, for the tech scene. The sort of like, damn the man, you know, screw the bank. Um, it's probably
0: from from, uh, 20 30 years ago when it was two countries in one city
1: yeah exactly (laughs) and and also from that time too there's like a there seems to be more cryptographers around here than in most other cities Um, you had to send messages over the wall yeah exactly um and and also i think that the 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 soviets were pretty good at educating in that field as well so you have both sides actually right? right um and um but that sort of ecosystem was just ripe for DLT to come around and when you hear there's so many projects that affect the real world it's really cool like there's music projects there's like right now today I'm at a conference for social good tech um, and uh, and that's you know very blockchain focused Um, and there's music products there's uh, like all these things that really affect the real world where generally I feel like in New York it tends to be more focused on um, like you know media and fintech Right. London's all fintech and San Francisco tends to be all algorithmic like how cool is this you know new algorithm and right. here it's like what can we do for the world kind of thing so it's really cool that's
0: amazing that's amazing that's yeah. awesome that's awesome and um so i guess what back to kind of your 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 platform have you gotten anybody on it yet or is it kind of still kind of in in the incubation phase or are there you know any test use cases that are kind of being looked at
1: yeah, so we, I would say we're very much in the incubation phase, but we are—I would say we are just coming out of that. <laughs> so we um, we actually are pushing a new version of our test net um, today. Okay, um, congratulations. And thank you. Uh, we are. This is the one that we're actually pretty happy with. The other one, we were like, yeah, you know, it's there, it works. But this new one, we're pretty happy with. <laughs> um, and so th- this will start the process of widening the number of people building on it. Um, we've had a lot of interest, um, and we have, you know, we have real estate, identity, automotive, IP, all of these people waiting for the um, waiting for the testnet. Maybe they've already agreed to to try it out here. Um, and then we are, you know, our goal here is to go a lot wider um, to get more people building on the platform over the course of the next year. Um, and you know, going back to the token sale thing, that's how we want to drive. That's how we want to drive a large token sale: is to have a lot of people building on the platform, and that shouldn't be unique to us. But I, th- I think it will be. <laughs> that's
0: great. That's great. Yeah. Um, going back to you know, CryptoKitties, obviously that's the that's the the uh, most popular implementation of NFT, but I'm sure there are many more. Um, um, in addition to the ones that your platform will pow- empower in the future. What are some other cool implementations that you know that you think are, are, are that people should check out or learn about other than crypto because that's the example that kind of gets reused and reused i would personally love to have uh, another example to use in my future podcast when i talk to somebody that's looking at this space what What are some other things that are yeah, cool implementations
1: yeah so I, I think there's um there's a bunch going on right now and i think um so decentraland is a cool one okay so virtual reality and they're selling land um and that's based on ethereum too okay um something that was actually kind of inspiring for me too is codex protocol which um that one is about fine wine and art and i think maybe watches or something like that okay (laughs) on the the blockchain Um, and they've actually been working with a bunch of um galleries and stuff too so it's what i really like is when i see a project actually get um adoption i think that's uh you know I think that's an exciting thing in this space. Um, so, and I think Codex has seemed to have been doing that. There's a whole bunch of games coming online now. Um, that seems to be like the kind of hot topic at the moment. Um, yeah. So, um, MLB just launched something that looks really cool for crypto collectibles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I did read about that. Yeah. And, um, and you know, like maybe I'm, I'm a little biased too, but, you know, some of the people that we work with here in Berlin, uh, License Rock okay is soft, software licensing on the blockchain um and um and that that to me i think they're one of the least known most exciting projects that, like I, I i you you work on a podcast in this space i don't know how many other projects have real revenue coming in that aren't exchanges and so they wow. they do <laughs> and that's pretty cool um and then you know i self-sovereign identity in general i think is a really interesting use case okay. of um, it's a it's interesting because it's, it's an NFT because there's not more than one person for that identity, right? Um, right. But it's something that we don't usually think about, and uh, there's a few different projects and companies working in that space. Um, YoloCom here in Berlin is a really cool one. Okay. So there's a, there's a lot of of really interesting things going on. I think that you know, not all of the game companies are going to succeed because it's really early, but I think it's a, that's a cool. Uh, it's a cool use
0: case. Yeah, I mean, gaming always, you know, people say that gaming, um, there's two sectors that you have to look at with any new technology. It's gaming and adult. They always kind of bleed yep. when it comes to um, technology. So I definitely do think that there's going to be a, a lot of a lot of the biggest use cases, at least early on, will be in gaming. And then people will kind of take the best practices for those and put it into other projects that are, um, you know, quote unquote, more serious. Um, that's incredible, awesome. Well, I guess one, one, I guess one part of your background I want to dig into. You know, we kind of hinted on it earlier. So you and Y Combinator 2012. Obviously, you know the Coinbase founders were, were um, also part of your class. Um, what would you say? You know, was there anything that you learned during, you know, Y Combinator um, that has helped you with your current pro- uh, project, or or is that is none of that relevant given the fact that you know you're you're in a completely different space now?
1: No, it's. Uh, I would say it's extremely relevant. Um, so one, uh, Ben Lamote and I um, are founders again together. Um, so that at that company in um, in y- YC, there was three of us, and Ben and I are founders again together with That's with um, three other founders. It's always um, it's yeah. always
0: a good story when you um, you know uh, worked on a previous project and the project ended for you know whatever reason, um, and the uh, team members are still have have a great relationship and want to work. Um, together in the future. So that's a huge success.
1: Yeah. And, um, and, you know, YC, the amazing thing about YC, um, is that you have access to the, you get access to this amazing network of really great people, um, that have a lot of knowledge, um, and a lot of connections. Um, our particular story, which I I would prefer not to get totally into in this podcast, but people can probably Google my name and find it. But, um, there was a, there was a a bad side to that company. And, um, and but what actually you know when we look back at it, what was really cool about even the negatives of that now I would never do it again is that I got to connect with some amazing investors in a way that I might not have um, had it just been like a you know successful company even. <laughs> right. um, and so Ben and I were able to go back to and talk to um, Gary Tan and Alexis and at initialized. Um, and they knew us in a way that that was different than the relationship with some of the other YC founders because they had really worked with, closely with us for a while. Um, and so when we went back to them, talked about what we were doing, um, they were just they were getting more into the crypto space as well. Um, and um, you know our our idea clicked with them, um, and they had this already built-in you know trust with us, and that was pretty cool. Um, and so I think a lot of the you know the lessons of YC are. Um, you know, build build something people want. Um, talk to users, and I think all of that is something that a lot of the crypto space kind of forgets. Is um, people keep building things just based on algorithms, and we want to build something that is going to get used. Um, and I think that was a, a real lesson from YC yeah. that carries over. Yeah,
0: the thing is, you, you don't have to be social when it comes to algorithms. You let the computer be social for you and learn. Um, and a lot of uh, people, you know, a lot of in this space, you know, tend to be more of the uh, you know, keep to themselves type the uh, more technical types. And so I think this, like you said, this space for it to move forward, you need people that are going to do product, I mean, uh, c- customer-driven product development. And so the only way to do that is to talk to people up front. And another thing that this space needs is, is great UX. So I think those two things are, are very, very important. So that's cool that you, you've you identified that as an issue and you make sure that your your platform or your the way you build this project implements that
1: yeah absolutely and you know if you look at our founding team we the the kind of the idea of the company is to look at the problems with blockchain as it applies to real world projects and try and solve all of them Um, now we're not going to do that all at once but over time and so if you look at the founding team we're heavily focused on the not necessarily end user but developer experience Um, and then also um, you know we we have a a deep finance experience too because i think A lot of the, when we talk about the economics of tokens and stuff, a lot of people kind of forget that these things have to go interact with the real world again, too. And so, you know, if if your system is based on a coin that's fluctuating 40% a day, then that makes it really hard for businesses to build in there, too. So there's a whole bunch of, like, all of these things um, really need to come together to make a usable product. And, you know, as an industry, we're still figuring out a lot of this stuff.
0: That's true. That's true. Well, awesome. Well, Topper, um, you know, I definitely can keep the conversation going, but... You know, I know you're very busy and you mentioned that you're kind of speaking to us from a, a, a conference right now. So definitely appreciate you taking the time out to, um, you know, whatever panel you might be missing right now. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you uh, taking some time <laughs> to uh, to uh, lend, lend lend some of that attention to us. Um, but if somebody wanted to keep in touch and, and follow more about your project and and, 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 and and make sure that, you know, we see how, how it's come to fruition, um, where should we go?
1: Quorumcontrol.com, Q-U-O-R-U-M control.com, Q-U-O-R-U-M control.com. Okay. Um, and that's also at Quorum Control on Twitter, um, and I am at T-O Bowers, B-O-W-E-R-S on on Twitter as well. And those are probably the best places right now.
0: Perfect, perfect. So I'll, I'll, yeah. share, that, I'll share that in the show notes. And thanks for your time, and 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 and, and congratulations on such a, a amazing and 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 exciting project.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, I always love to talk about this stuff, and this was a great conversation. All right. Take care. Bye.
0: Thanks. And it's a wrap for this episode of the Coin Gamma Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please share it out with members of your network, friends, family, associates. And most importantly, please leave a review on your podcast listening platform, whether it's iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play spotify you name it that really helps the podcast out it helps us get more exposure and share our content with more people and don't forget we're available to help you out with your blockchain related projects just reach out coingamma.com until next time